You are now listening to the Unstucked Podcast, where we teach you actionable steps to get unstuck in your life, career, finances, and business. Here's your host, Khalil Dumas. What's going on, Unstucked fam? If you're loving the podcast, be sure to visit unstuck.com for more resources, ways to work one-on-one with me and my company, Unstucked, as well as our free Unstucked guide to help you get unstuck in your career, life, finances, and business. Some exciting news, we have launched our budgeting course where I will sit down with you and walk you through our custom budget. The link will be below. I'm so happy you're here for the ride. And now on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Unstuck podcast. I'm your host, Khalil Dumas. Today, I am joined by Ediana Rosen. Ediana is a multi-passionate first-generation college graduate and immigrant. Ediana has engaged a community of over 100,000 members across her social media platforms, teaching people how to land jobs, make money, and most importantly, how to master their finances. Ediana launched her website, takingcareoffinance.com, earlier this year, where she walks readers through her own personal finance journey of paying off student loan debt and building generational wealth. Hey, Ariana, how are you today? I am doing well. So excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, I came across a couple of your videos, you know, kind of talking about money and talking about career. And you always make some fantastic points. I even think I stitched a video of yours about a couple of weeks ago about reasons why it's going to be hard to get rich in today's world. So definitely excited to talk about money and career. So tell us about your story and why you started helping people get educated on money and their career. Yeah, thank you. And I'm so excited (laughs) that you're liking the content. Uh, Makes me really happy. So yes, I actually immigrated to the United States when I was 15 years old with my whole family. And money, you know, coming from the culture I come from, I'm Hispanic, Dominican actually. And money is just something that we never really talk about, still don't. And it was always such a mystery. And I come from a very, very poor background, like very humble beginnings. And so coming to the United States, money was just never something that was in the front of my mind. For me, when I came here, my number one goal was to go to school so that I can have a good paying career, right? Like the American dream, that was it. And so obviously Googled my way through school and I was able to get scholarships and everything to be able to go to school because my parents couldn't really afford to help me out. And so I got a scholarship, got into school, and I noticed that there was just a lack of guidance, not only with money, but also with careers. Like I went to school to get my bachelor's degree and yeah, it's great to learn from books and a lot of theory. There's not a lot of things that you can put into, into practice when you graduate. And that goes for both money and careers, like how to navigate politics when you are getting in your first job, how to get promoted, what are the things that you should be saying, how to be effective, how to be resourceful with your career, because no one's going to hold your hand. And so that's something that you expect coming out of school to just know it all because you're told what to do your whole years you're going to school. So once you're out of there, you're on your own technically. So So I realized that the hard way because I didn't have a crutch, aka my parents, because they still don't speak English. So they don't know the system. They really were not the mentors that a lot of people in the United States have in their parents. So I had to figure out a lot of things on my own. And as I started working, I was lucky enough and fortunate that I actually work in recruitment and human resources. So I do know a lot about how to navigate the job search strategies, how to create a resume and all of those things because I learned in the job. 
And so as I started seeing a lot of people around me, like family members and friends asking me like, hey, do you mind taking a look at my resume? Hey, do you mind just helping me do some interview prep? And it was something that just kind of came naturally to me because I've been doing it at work. So I was like, of course, I don't mind. I'll definitely do it. So I then had a baby in 2019, my first daughter. Congratulations. Thank you. And if there are any moms listening to this podcast, you probably will resonate with this a lot. But I went through that life crisis, right? That identity crisis that a lot of moms talk about, but you can't really understand it unless you're going through it. Because I had a pretty grasp of my life and my career up until that point. And so I go through the mindset of, do I want to stay home, but I just finished my master's degree? Like, do I really want to throw that away or do I want to take myself out of the running and be in the whiffs of the corporate life? Because I, as a recruiter, knew how hard it was for moms to go back to the workplace after they've been out of work for a little bit for taking care of their families. Super unfair, but that's just how our society works, right? So with all of that, I started to ask myself, why is there more to life? Like there has to be something more than just go to work nine to five and then being a mom. Like what else is out there? So I've always had that creative kind of bug in me. And I just started posting content on Instagram. Actually, it was my primary source of content creation. And things started to take off on the sense of people asking tons of questions, reaching out to me. And the validation and the credibility that I was a recruiter made people trust me because like, hey, she gets paid by a corporation to look at resumes and to hire people. She knows what needs to be included in a resume, right? So that's how everything about career started and everything kind of snowballed from there. However, I also noticed that there's a lot of questions about money that are very related to careers, like how to negotiate your salary, how do you make more money, how do you actually invest the money that the company is offering to you through 401ks and things like that. And so I started going through my own personal finance journey because I obviously still have some student loans that I have to pay back for my master's degree. And then I started to notice how little I knew about money. I was like, oh my gosh, like I actually never even talked to my parents about how to budget or how to pay bills. Like none of that. I kind of have to just figure it out on my own. And I started doing research. As you probably can tell, I know I had a master's degree. So like I'm a long life learner. I'm always learning things, reading books, listening to podcasts, researching my way through the internet. As I was learning more, I realized that there's not a lot of people out there who look like me who speak like me. And a lot of the information that I was coming across was just not very relatable to me. And so I said, you know what? Why don't I start talking about my journey? Although I don't consider myself like, oh, I'm a money expert in any way, but I know there's a lot of beginners out there that are just a little bit behind where I'm at now. And I just want to document the journey of how I decided to finally get out of debt. And although it's not bad debt, quote unquote, it's just student loans. It's something that I'm just tired of making monthly payments at this point. And also because the fact that I'm an immigrant, I want to make sure that I'm building a future for my kids and start making smart decisions so that I can have some sort of generational wealth for them. And I know that that was a huge, long introduction, but that's how I got here today. (laughs) No, I absolutely love it because it painted such a great picture. And, you know, I want to kind of take a step back. You mentioned, right, being an immigrant, and that's something that I can relate to as well. My mom's a first-generation immigrant from Germany. You know, my great-grandmother on my dad's side was an indentured servant, you know, so when we were coming up, you know, a lot of the times we're just focusing on surviving, paying rent, paying electricity. No one's worried about 
saving money for future generations because we need money today. I was lucky and our family was fortunate to be able to actually, through my mom and my dad's hard work, my dad's an architect now, my mom's an attorney. We weren't always like that. And so growing up, I was always like you. I was very naturally curious. And I think that's something that's gotten me a long way. And it's something that I realize not everyone has. And so I couldn't relate to you more in terms of wanting to tell that message for our people, you know, and that's something that that's how I started as well. That was something that, you know, once I kind of started to figure things out in my career, I was in the same boat. People would come to me about career questions all the time, about money questions all the time. And I would answer people for free because, you know, I was like, you know, let me help folks out here. But then it kind of came threefold, which is like, I also want to start a business. I also want to leave something behind. I knew what we connect in this way. Where do you think that kind of natural curiosity comes from? You know, that's something that I always kind of forget as a really great redeeming quality. It can get you really far. Like, why are you so naturally curious about these things? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's interesting you ask because it is a great quality that can take you very far, as you mentioned. But it can also be very exhausting because oh, yes. there's... <laughs> There is never enough, like there's never enough time, never enough knowledge, never enough accomplishments. And that is something that I'm working very hard on myself so that I can slow down a little and smell the roses, as they say. To answer your question directly, I think it comes from a place of scarcity, to be honest. And I get like goosebumps just talking about it because it takes me back to the time where I was back in my country, a third world country, where we had real problems. Like my parents sometimes wouldn't even know where dinner was going to come from because they just did not have enough money. And my mom had two jobs. My dad worked a job as well. So it was a two household income, almost three, and we were still struggling to make ends meet. I always had that mentality of like, I need to help more. So since I was very little, I think unintentionally, my parents prepared my brothers and I to be very independent and where we had to learn how to do things because my parents weren't home very much because they were working all the time. So we had it. I learned how to cook when I was eight years old. I learned how to take care of a whole house when I was like around nine. So how to do laundry and how to clean a house and how to do pretty much everything alongside my brothers because we needed to do those things in order for my parents to bring in the cash. And so I think unintentionally, I just grew up that way. And so moving into a new country and just thinking about the sacrifices my parents have made just to give my brothers and I a much better life, I want to make that sacrifice worth it for them. And although obviously, like my parents have never asked any of us, you know, you have to do this and you have to do that. Like they're very much supportive of whatever it is we want to do. But I always have that voice in the back of my mind. Like, Ariana, my mom left her whole family over there. My dad left all his, his friends and everything that they have known and coming here in an age, you know, early 40s, mid 40s, it's hard. It's hard. It was hard for me as a teenager. I cannot even imagine how hard it was for them. It still is because, you know, they're still kind of foreigners. You know, they don't speak the language. They still don't feel like a part of society. So I think of them every time that I'm sitting on the couch doing nothing like, wait a minute, what am I doing in my life? Like I should be listening to a podcast. I should be reading a book. I should be doing something. And I'm not sure if you're familiar, but um, I'm very into the Enneagram. Yes, I'm an ENFJ. <laughs> there you go. And then I'm yeah. an Enneagram 3. So, and apparently that's like a very common thing from immigrants 
to be very competitive and also very into learning new things and just being the best. And I have always had that, like always being very competitive with everything. I could do better. I could learn more. Also because I consider myself to be super privileged. Even with everything that I just mentioned with the life, the young life I had, I'm here. I'm in the United States and I know that there's a lot to be fixed in this country, but there's also a lot of opportunities for us here. I take a look back at my friends back in the DR because I was 15, so I had a life there too. And I just think about, wow, like that would have been my life if my parents wouldn't have sacrificed to take us here. And I am grateful for every little thing that I get to have touched my hands with because I know that it wouldn't have been the case in another country. So I think that really fuels me and gives me a lot of the push that I need and the self-drive that anybody could need because the opportunities that I have today are not the reality for many other people. So I don't take that for granted. And I think that that has really a lot to do with my ambition, I guess. Um, sometimes I know that ambition can have a negative connotation, but I am not embarrassed to say that I'm ambitious at all. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, you nailed a lot of great points there. And I think the big thing that I also have in common with you is like being forced to grow up quick gives you a lot of intangible skills that a lot of people don't get, especially Americans. Talk about being privileged, right? So that is definitely a huge plus, that natural curiosity, the independence, right? Not being afraid to kind of chart a course by yourself for everyone else. Because again, you have that voice in your head that's like, my parents have worked so hard. It's up to me to carry the torch now. But that also comes with some drawbacks. And I think a big one for myself is smelling the roses because there is naturally a little bit of guilt associated with slowing down and not working as hard. And luckily, like I have family that's been able to like communicate and give me that awareness to say, you don't have to be like us. We want you to be more efficient. We want you to actually grow generational wealth. And it sounds like your parents are just as supportive. That has been such a plus, but a lot of immigrants and a lot of people who were raised by immigrants they don't have that reassurance and they're just told kind of the same route. And so your perspective is so important, especially as a woman as well, because I think that's even more rare voice in the space. Same with being a black man. Like that's a very rare kind of space that we've cultivated and created around finances and money. So tell us, what does it mean to take care of your finances? What does that actually mean to you? Yes. I'm embarrassed to say that for the longest time, I had this head in the sand approach with money. And I think, again, it comes back from scarcity mindset of I've worked since I came to this country. As soon as I turned 16, I was like, I have to work. Like, I have to help my parents, like whether it's just to buy my own things, to pay for my own phone bill, to buy my own shoes. That was my mentality. Like, And I got a job. And it's so funny that I think about that because now my boss back then follows me on social and he sends me messages all the time. It's like, do you remember? I used to show up every single day after school. This was a sneaker store, you know, like a strip of like a lot of stores. And I was said that I needed to work at this store. So, I mean, I was 16, no experience. Who would want to hire me? Like a lot of restrictions about hiring a 16-year-old. So I would show up every single day for two weeks knocking on this door talk to this manager. I was like, you're going to continue to see me like with my broken English. You're going to continue to see me until you give me a job. So he decided to give me the job to give me a try. And I was there for two years and I was making good money for a 16 year old, like really good money. And I spent every single penny of that money 
that was my life up until I was 22 years old when I finally got married and kind of have to become an adult now with my finances. And so for the longest time, I just had like money is meant to spend. Like you're working hard. You should just spend it. Like, especially thinking back in the year, like I never had anything. I never grew up with anything. I never had experiences. I want to spend the hard-earned money I have on the things that I want without realizing that, yeah, that's good. And you should have a percentage of your money that goes towards experiences and things that you really enjoy. But also thinking that, and not to get like, (laughs) really like morbid or anything, but this is the youngest you'll ever be. This is the most energy you will ever have. This is the time for you to really cultivate that financial stability so that in the future, when you don't have that much energy, when you don't have the health that you have today, you don't have to depend on others. And that's what kind of clicked in me. Like, I don't want to be a burden for my future children. I don't want to be a burden for my brothers. I don't want to be a burden for my husband. I want to make sure that I am taking care of myself now so that I can take care of myself in the future. So literally planting the seeds today so that we can get the fruits of our labors tomorrow. So the head of the sand situation comes from ignoring my loans. Like I never looked at them. I just made the minimum payments and I didn't care about like what was happening. I didn't care about the balance. And then one day I just woke up and I just had this anxiety come over me when I had my daughter. I was like, oh my gosh, like I never had an emergency fund. I never had like, because money wasn't to stay, right? And my husband had a similar approach because actually my husband had a much more different upbringing than I did. Extremely privileged, going to Disney almost every year as he was growing up. So coming from an environment where money was never the issue, but also a disservice because he also thought like, oh, you know, money, whatever, like money comes easy. Like it's, it is what it is. Never really had that nailed down type of don't spend too much type of mentality. So when I had my daughter, I got hit with a medical bill, though I had insurance and I had to put my hands in my head because it was so much money and I didn't have anywhere to pay it. And I was like, oh my God. And that's when everything changed for me. That's when I started hitting the books. That's when I started researching. I was like, okay, how can I actually set myself up for success in the future? And it was a lot of trial and error in the beginning. Really learning how to set up a budget, which I never really knew. Again, they don't teach you that in school. And also my husband is an entrepreneur. So we have, and although I have a nine to five, we have very up and down income coming in every month, right? Because we combine our finances. And so he doesn't know how much money he's going to bring every month. So that was a lot of trying, you know, different type of methods that would work for our family. And so with that research, you know, I told my husband, you know, he's six years older than me. And I was like, you know, we need to do something like, oh my God, we have a whole human depending on us now. Like, and I started panicking him. I was like, you have to get on this journey with me. And, you know, for him, thankfully, he never really had debt because his parents paid for his college out of pocket. Again, like totally different upbringing. He never really thought of money of like, oh, I'll make more tomorrow. Right. So thankfully, he got on board with me. And now we like have money dates every weekend on Sundays. We sit down with a glass of wine and we talk about, okay, what are the big plans? Like he has to buy certain things for his business. Like, okay, we need to plan for that. That's how we were able to buy a house and all of those other things. So little by little, you know, you have to kind of stack the pillars. It's not all at once because it could be very overwhelming. You know, money is complicated, but it doesn't have to be. And that's one of the reasons why I like talking about this topic, because, again, a lot of the people whom I follow that I've learned things from, a lot of them learn things from their parents. Like they had very financial savvy parents, 
some some of them got their college paid off from their parents. Like growing up in that environment where I feel like because I come from a mindset of scarcity, I needed to work a lot on my mindset when it comes to money before I could make the actual leeway of like funding an emergency fund, which I never had one before. How do I start paying off my student loan debt so that I can start investing real money in the market so that I can then have that money in the future? So that's, you know, in a nutshell, how I became to the realization that money is not dirty. Money is not something to be ashamed of. Money is something that gives us opportunities and open doors for us, right? And that is why I decided I need to get my head out of the sand, face my reality, and know that what I'm going to do today is going to be hard because it took a lot of hard work for me to understand that I needed to do this on my own with no support. I know two, three, five, ten years from now, I'm going to pat myself in the back and I'm like, you know what? It totally paid off. Well said, and I think, you know, There are some really great points that you made, and I wanted to start with the first, which is I want to catch people before they're in a triggering event where they realize that they need to change things, when it makes it even more uncomfortable to get started in. And I think back, you know, my triggering event was really understanding how little I was making and... At one point, I actually just created a budgeting template and walkthrough that I just released. And the reason why that was one of my first product offerings is that's when I changed my life at about 22. I was working for Nike and I was making about $500 a week. And at the time, you know, I was working for Nike. I was at the world headquarters. It's 10 minutes up the street. Like, what an awesome opportunity. And, you know, I had just started dating my girlfriend, who is now my wife. I didn't realize how stressed out I was about finances because I held a lot of it subconsciously. You know, when those bills came around, whenever you'd open up your banking app, I would my blood pressure would rise, you know, and there was all of these things that I wasn't aware of that was causing me undue stress and holding me back. And when I decided to actually budget for the first time, I remember, and I and this was such a groundbreaking moment for me, I remembered it was costing me money to stay at my job. And that was such a stark realization. It was like, oh my God, like I'm losing money every month. I don't even have a 401k because I'm a contract employee at Nike. Like they don't even offer that to me. And I'm sitting here making $500 a week and that's not including taxes being pulled out. But, you know, I'm working for this company and it's really cool. And I remember having that realization and being like, I'm going to go start looking for opportunities and I'm going to start building up and trying to get to six figures. That was my goal. I was making like 22,000 a year, which when I think back, I'm like, oh my God, that gives me heart palpitations. But I was able to do that because I actually started as an entrepreneur right out of college. And I was making like $800 a month. And I got used to that uncomfortability, even though, right, like it wasn't as like black and white as I'm making it. There were nights and weeks and months and years that were really hard and made me really depressed. And I really took note of those things and said, if I'm struggling with this, I know there are millions of people who are struggling with this, if not even more, because at least I had parents that if a rainy day came, I could be like, hey, like I need some help, you know, and that's something that I recognize was privilege now, you know, that was something that I always had, but I had that immigrant mentality. I was always ashamed to ask for help. I was always ashamed to kind of take a step back and understand what I wanted. And those were the moments like budgeting was just one of the many moments that I had. But I'm right there with you in terms of I realized how overwhelming all of this is, how not all of us are naturally curious like you and I are. And there's so many people that just live like that. How I was living at 23, 24, stressed and depressed about my finances, people just say, you know what? This is just the system we live in. It sucks. And I'm, this is just my life. 
when it doesn't have to be that way. And I remember my investing and saving started with just automating $50 to savings and $50 to an investment. And I remember one of my really good friends kind of coaching me through it and being like, you have the vehicle started. That's the hardest part. Now you can customize it. You can put rims on it. You can gut the exterior and put new stuff in it, right? Like you can increase that $50 to a hundred. You know, I think now each month I invest anywhere from three to 5,000 a month. And it's just crazy to think about that as a 28 year old now, like thinking back to all of those things that got me here. And so I really appreciate you sharing that piece because everyone shares once they've made it. And that's why I started Unstuck is like, no one talks about the middle or the beginning that's really uncomfortable and really tough and let alone the tips and tricks to get there. So I talked about kind of the importance of budgeting. I know that the manifestors, the firmers of the world will say, you know, budgeting will hold you back. But I always tell people that budgeting is meant to realign you with what brings you joy and what helps you. So what are some of those principles that you teach? You know, I mentioned budgeting is something big that's big for me. Like in your teachings, and your videos, I know you talk a lot about it, but what are some of your favorite kind of money tips and maybe some tips that people who are stuck in their finances right now can maybe start to follow? Yes, absolutely. The first thing that I think about is, I know it's not definitely not the first step ever, but investing is a lot easier than people think. And if you have a nine to five, a company that offers a 401k, you already are investing. That's an investing vehicle for you, right? Of course, has a specific purpose of retirement and obviously like restrictions come with that and everything. But that's the first thing that I think of because I used to beat myself up over like, I can't believe that I didn't stop investing. Like, imagine if I would have invested at 16 when I started making all that money, like I would be a millionaire right now. And so that's one of the things that I tell myself is, you know, I need to give myself the same advice I tell my clients. Like, stop beating yourself up because you cannot change the past, right? You can only change the future and the way that you react to it. And you are here talking to me right now. So that means that you are doing much better than you did yesterday, right? So... I keep telling myself, Ariana, you actually started investing at 22 because you opened up a 401k at 22. So you started investing. So obviously the number one thing that I talk to my folks about is your mindset first and foremost, because in reality, if you don't get that in check, it's always going to be a roller coaster of emotions, right? It's going to be, yeah, you know, you start this month and pay off your credit card and then you're going to go into the same exact hole next month because you're not addressing the triggers that are making you spend money to begin with. I'll give you an example. Like I struggle with my body positivity a lot. And so my love language is food. Like I love food. Me too. I I see myself spending a lot of money on food when I stress at work, when I'm going through certain things in my life. And then I caught myself and say, you know what? I just spent $600 on groceries. Like why am I going to go and buy $25 worth of Uber Eats just because I am anxious. Like, wait a minute. So those are the things that I start teaching is, you know, understanding your triggers first can really help you understand the strategies because, yeah, it's amazing to learn strategies in the step-by-step and what you just mentioned, you know, budgeting the tactical things, right, that really give you like pen and paper. But if you don't fix up here in your mind, again, you're going to continue to go into the hole. And that's what happened to me. Because although, thank God, I was never in trouble with credit cards, I was always really responsible with that. I always spent every dollar that came in. Every single dollar that came in, I spent it on things that I can't even remember. Like, what did I even spend that money on? That's the number one thing. The second thing, of course, is understanding where you are right now. What's your situation, right? Are you in debt? 
Are you not in debt but don't have any savings? Are you planning for something big in your life, like a baby, a home, a wedding, a honeymoon, a vacation, whatever it is? Like, where are you right now? And what do you need to get to the desired point? So from point A to point B, what is the gap that you're needing to close? After that is when we implement the budget, because in reality, you need to know what you need a budget for. And budgets are not necessarily a good idea for everybody because certain people, it just causes more anxiety than not. For me, I needed a budget because I understand that I need to keep myself accountable. So, you know, some people will be successful budgeting on an app. Some people will be successful budgeting on a spreadsheet. Some people will be successful budgeting on paper. I do a combination of two. I've tried all the apps out there. They don't work for me. They don't work for me because it just doesn't feel very real. Like, it's just like when you swipe the credit card, right? Like that plastic doesn't feel real. So I created a spreadsheet where I keep all of the income coming in and anything that's coming out. But I also like to write things down. Like I have an actual binder that I keep track of all of my things. And that is something that I also talk to my clients about. Like there's many ways to budget. So what do you think is going to work for you? And it's okay if it takes trial and error. For me, it took close to four months to find that one magic formula that works for my family. Because again, I have a constant income coming in and also a very variable income from my husband. So it took a combination of a few budgets as well as a lot of trial and error. Then the next thing that we talk about is your goals. How are you going to stick to your goals? Why is that goal important to you? Why are you taking the steps that you're taking right now? How is that going to change your life? If you don't go through with this goal, what are going to be the consequences? Because I think that's something that we forget. We're always thinking about where we want to go, but we don't think about the consequences of if we don't follow through. And that's where a lot of the coaching comes in because people sometimes just need accountability. Because if you think about it, they can Google this information online and get it for free. But they are looking for that accountability, somebody that can keep them in track, somebody that can ask the tough questions, and somebody that can remind them why they started to begin with. And then obviously, you know, the more advanced strategies are, okay, let's, first of all, you know, what are your savings? Are we setting up an, uh, an emergency fund? Are we also having sinking funds? And for those who don't know what that is, it's technically buckets of savings for specific goals. So you have a bucket for vacations, you have a bucket for furniture, you have a bucket for birthdays, bucket for Christmas, things like that, just to give your money a purpose, because that is what used to happen in me. I never really had a role or a job for my money. So it's like, oh, you know, whatever. Like if I went to the store one day and I wanted to buy an iPad, I was like, oh, I have a thousand dollars in my chicken. <laughs> yes. like, so why not? So why not, right? So planning for those big purchases can really help you as well. And then the final piece, and obviously I'm condensing this a lot, but the final piece would be the more aggressive and the more strategic piece will be investing. Of course, as I mentioned, there's many avenues for investing and it can be complicated. So I won't get into too much detail about it, but it's as simple as automating $10 a month into a brokerage account. Uh, it's that simple. And Say it again for the people in the back. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> yes, um, it is that simple. And if you're confused about like picking stocks and everything, if you're really a beginner, I don't recommend you buy single stocks because it's just too much research, too much complication and a lot of emotion that goes into that. So what I recommend is just buy, you know, a piece of the S&P 500 and you're all set because you have like a piece of every single company in the United States. That's obviously for the U.S. market. You touched on so many great points. And the first one that I had to reconcile with personally was emotional spending. And actually, a lot of that came kind of pre-pandemic and during the pandemic when your grocery bill and DoorDash bill 
like forexed when you were at home all the time. And that was something that right away you start to realize those triggers. And for me, it's emotional eating and emotional spending at times, you know, that 10 p.m. Amazon shopping that you need, you know, your four or five, six, seven, eight, nine things <laughs> in your cart that maybe could wait. Those things I've learned, like, again, like you made a good point about like budgeting is not for everyone. And I encourage people to budget. I think there's a misconception that like when people mention budgeting, that you have to do it every month or do it every day. And really it took one budgeting session for me to really understand my flow of money. And I did it for a couple of months just because I was trying to dig out of a hole. But what happens in 90 days? You develop a habit. And I've developed the system in my head to understand transactions. I turned on my notifications actually on my bank account or my credit cards. I don't use my debit card anymore, but I would, every time I swiped, boom, notification, how much you spent. And I just would kind of count that in my head. But what really helped me to alleviate a lot of my stress was, and we'll get to this, is moving up in your career, I actually left and joined businesses every one to two years. I didn't stay in one place. That was something that allowed me to pretty much double my income. I went from making 32000 to north of 200000 in about three and a half, four years, which is really crazy to think about now. I mean, I obviously got a little bit lucky in terms of, you know, I joined a startup and got equity and it was a pretty crazy experience that I talk about in previous episodes. But that was something that really helped me was moving up in the income bracket, but really paying myself first. You know, people talk about the 50-30-20 rule, right? Um, and so that's something that people tend to take to heart, right? Saving 30%, investing 20%, right? And so I take a way different approach. I tend to save about 50 to 60% of my income first. So I pay myself aggressively first, and then I automate savings. So a portion of that goes into a couple savings accounts, which One's a house savings account, one's just a general savings account, and then I have a spending account. And then, right, to your point, you know, you need to have some funds to be able to spend. But what you realize is that spending fund, if you can kind of build that up a little bit, and sometimes you don't go through months where you don't spend a lot. So you can allocate more money to your savings and to your investments, but it helped take off that pressure because I knew I was investing. And you said something really critical, which was like, I was really hard on myself. Like, I need to invest. But I had been investing my whole life since I was 21, since I initially got a 401k, but I never counted it because I always thought I need to be a, a stock bro and I need to invest in all these single stocks and I need them to be making money. You know what I mean? And so now I purchase Schwab SWPPX, right? I purchase anywhere from 300 and right now with the market tanking, you know, I'm investing about a thousand bucks more than I normally would. But you start to learn like, wow, and you start to see what it's like to make money without putting in effort. Like it was crazy. I opened up my Charles Schwab the other day and my index funds was the best performing thing because again, all the stocks are taking a dive right now, but the market's slowly recovering. So you start to learn those things and you put them into practice. And I know this can seem really overwhelming to folks, especially if you have a lot of debt, take it from me. I had debt and I still did these things. You know, I think it's like 85% of Americans are in some form of debt and about 83% of us aren't ready for a $300 emergency. So take the pressure off of yourself and start there. Like to your point, have an emergency fund, have a sinking fund. But I want to take this back to career. And I know it's going to take us a bit to get to this, but I thought the finance portion is so important. And especially from our perspective, I wanted to talk about that. But how can I start to then kind of have a fulfilling career and make sure, right, that that career is paying me what I'm supposed to be paid? I have a two cents on this, but I would love to hear your perspective on how do you find your momentum in your career and make sure that your career is serving you and your family? Absolutely. And, you know, sometimes it's a hard question to answer because 
that fulfillment looks different for everybody. For me, fulfillment five years ago before I had my family looked very different than what it looks today, right? So I think that's the number one thing is reevaluating your values and continue to go back to the drawing board and say, okay, what's important to me today? What is this company providing to me that aligns with that value of mine? What are they not? providing me with. And so those are the things that you continue to work on so that when you are moving on to the next step in your career, whether you're getting a promotion or whether you are switching jobs, aka companies, you're not making the same mistakes or getting yourself a step backwards or putting yourself in the same hole. So what I like to do about this is, and right now we are in a little bit of a crazy hot market. So if you are a job seeker, you are on a great timing. Something that I wanted to say about that is that Predictions are for the economist specifically is that in the next 18 months or so, you have to make your move now because in the next 18 months, things are not going to look the same. So that's something that I wanted to put out there. I think to answer your question specifically about how to really find a fulfilling career and know that you're being paid your worth and your value, number one is to please do not make the same mistakes I made when I was fresh out of college. And that is loyalty. Like you don't owe loyalty to anybody. You do not owe that company anything whatsoever. What do you owe them? The best professional outcome you can give them for the money they're giving you, right? So remember, this is a service that you're exchanging with them, whether that's your skills or your time, and then they're paying you for that. Don't let them make you feel guilty. I was talking to my husband last night and we we were watching a show and then the HR person told this guy, I was like, is this job just about money for you? And that was so triggering for me because although I am a recruiter, I am very respectful of the fact that yes, it is about money. Hello, like you think that I would be taking away 40 plus hours away from my children so that I can just sit here and look at your face just for charity? Like, no. So, and I was talking to my husband about that. And I think that's something that people need to detach themselves from. It's stop feeling greedy. Stop feeling guilty for asking for more. You deserve more. And the fact that you are thinking you need more is because you do. Loyalty is the number one thing. I stayed at one of my companies for almost four years because of my manager. And I know that that's very important because I felt safe psychologically. So that's also important. And it was a good value for me to have. But staying at a company just because of one person or just because you feel uncomfortable, you feel like you owe them or because you're in the middle of a project and you don't want to leave them hang dry, that's not your problem. That's their problem. Because It's their bottom line to take care of. And at the end of the day, if they wanted to give you the boot tomorrow, they wouldn't give you a notice. So that's something to think about is to detach yourself emotionally from that. And it can take a while, especially for people pleasers like me. It took a while to have that mentality. But that's number one. Number two is to be strategic about your moves. So for me, I was in HR and recruitment for a while in companies like finance, I was in communications, production, healthcare. And yeah, they paid okay, but like not very good. So I said, you know what, if I really want to make a difference in my income, I need to think about different industries that can pay me a lot more for the same work I'm doing. So that's when I decided to do research on the tech industry. So I switched into tech and I doubled, almost tripled my salary just by doing that. So being strategic about you don't have to have like, oh, I have to change careers because I know how nerve wracking that can be. Not really. Like all you have to do is take a look at different industries and see which one would give you the best for your value. That's one. And two is to 
really be intuitive with yourself. Like, there's not a timeline of like, oh, you know, I get a lot of questions on my DM. Like, oh, I've been at this job for a year. Like, you think that it will look bad if I switch? Like, no, like if you're unhappy, you could be there for three months. And if you're ready to move on, you're ready to move on. Because those are things that you can explain later on. We're all humans. We're not robots. We're not built to do the same things over and over again forever and not feel bored about it. I know that previous generations probably felt that way, but we are the revolution, like millennials and Gen Zers, like we are here to change the world for the better. And I think that's one of the things that I admire so much about the newer generation is that they know what they want and they go for it. And I love seeing that. And the last piece that I will mention about that is please do not be afraid of negotiating. I have negotiated every single job offer I have ever gotten since I graduated college. And I'm grateful that I did that because although I never really had any mentors, I never had anybody telling me to do that. I just, you know, was like, "Mm, that sounds a little low. Like, can we just do better than that? So (laughs) good for you. That's awesome. Yeah. I have tons of videos about negotiation in my, in my TikTok. So if you're interested in, in watching that, even if you're a recent grad, you can ask for more. What's the worst that can happen? They say no, but they're not going to take that offer away. So just know that. Absolutely. And those are some great points. And, you know, the loyalty piece is, I think, what a lot of we kind of mentioned and started off with like immigrants and just like people of color. Like that's something that I think we struggle with is that fear of being fired and that fear of not fitting in. And and that's a really hard thing to get over. But once you get over it, you're unstoppable. And that's something that I was lucky to kind of have after I left Nike, I went and joined a startup. And that was the first time my mentor ever mentioned to me like equity. Like he's like, when you approach these guys, you know, I know you're making at right now about 65, ask them for north of a hundred and ask about equity. And I was like, okay, like I feel really uncomfortable. I'm 23, 24, about to start asking for equity. Like, okay, I'll give this a shot. And I asked and I received. And that was the first time I was like, whoa, like it's just, it's me. It's me holding myself back. I wrote all these stories about myself and what I deserved and they were all incorrect. So from that experience forward, every time I moved from that experience, I moved about two or three jobs. I would double my income. I would ask for double. And, and sometimes I would land, you know, you know, a little bit under it or over it with and benefits and whatnot. But that was such a an eye-opening experience, not only asking for more, but not having that loyalty piece. See, look, the days of staying at a job for three to five years even are over. You know, I've never had one employer question, hey, why were you only at that job for a year? And if they did, I had a great story. I would say I had a, a manager that didn't give me a career path, or I had, you know, a manager that didn't foster my growth. And I see that here, you know, and that was it. There was nothing else more than that. And so that is such an important point that you made to not be afraid to continue to move and ask for what you deserve. And obviously you have to inform yourself, you have to do the research, but I have my own business too. And so I use that as a negotiating card. You know, I tell people that I say, you know, you're hiring employees, I'm an owner and here's what you'll get with my mindset, you know, and that grabs people immediately. And I talk to the proactivity, I talk to having to do, and you know this and your husband, like, you know, you have to do everything from beginning to end. And that's such a skill set and it's an expensive skill set. And that's something that you learn. Like I still feel, you know, I have make about 250 plus and I have my business too. And I still feel underpaid. That's something that you start to learn is like, yeah, when you start to really understand how much your company's making off of you, I've to date, you know, through startups, Nike, et cetera, I tally how much I've made people and I've made north of $50 million for folks because my startup got sold for 50 plus million and I joined in when they were making about three. And when I left, they were making about 14. So 
I was grossly underpaid still in that example. I think that's an important perspective that I love to share is you are always undervalued constantly and always ask for more. So thank you so much for putting that so eloquently. And I want to stay on brand here and move into, you know, people feel stuck in their finances. People feel stuck in their careers. What are things that you do when you're feeling stuck in either? Like, how do you get yourself going again? How do you get that momentum and motivation to continue to move forward and ask for what you deserve and make what you deserve? Yeah, that's a great question. I think something, and I'm not sure like how much I should share, but I'm, I'm currently going through something very, very similar to this where I feel stuck. And I'm like, do I want to change? Do I not? Should I just give it more time? Am I being impatient? Because again, going back to the Enneagram 3 thing, we have that instant gratification need that we need something quickly. And that's why we hustle so hard because we like to see results. So the one thing that I think about is going back to what's important to you. So specifically for your career, you should not live to work. You should work to live, right? So you're going to go through two phases in your career where you are going to feel like you've hit a wall. Like you're going to feel like you're not learning. You're going to feel like everything is against you. And those are the biggest red flags and signs for you to maybe reevaluate if that's the right role for you or if that's the right company. So the things that I like to do, and I might sound a little bit woo-woo, but I love to journal about the things that I'm feeling and even just try to talk to somebody whom you really trust that won't judge you for the way you feel. And that is one of my best friends and, of course, my spouse. If you don't have that, because I know that's an immense privilege to have a supportive system around you, I think that online forums can be a great way to find somebody you can rely on. And even if you want to stay anonymous, you can do that as well. But just trying to talk to somebody who has no stake in the situation to give you a different perspective can really help you get out of that funk. That's number one. Number two, when it comes to your career as well and you're feeling stuck, is to pick up a hobby. Like, as I mentioned, I'm going through this phase right now where I'm like, oh, you know, like, I feel like I'm stuck. I'm, I don't know what else to learn. Like, I already learned everything and I've been doing this for so long. So I went on to Google. I researched something, a topic that I was interested in. And right now, right yesterday, I signed up myself for a certificate. And so I'm taking classes on how to be a project manager because it's very related to what I do day to day. And it's like, you know what? Let me learn something new. And so that's what I started doing. And I'm all excited. Like, I even worked a little bit extra late just because I wanted to finish one of the courses. And that's something that gives, at least for me, it gives me joy. It gives me that freshness. I'm like, oh, I'm learning something new. That's so cool. But if you're not like that, I think finding a regular hobby. I feel like right now in this hustle culture, it's so hard to have a genuine hobby because people just push you to want to have a business right away. So true. Yeah, right? Like not everything has to be a business. Not everything has to be a side hustle. You can truly just have a hobby you love to do just to decompress, just to get your mind off of things. And now when it comes to money, I think, and I believe in resets because again, money is so fluid. Today you have it, tomorrow you don't, and then vice versa. So just getting yourself a break of resetting. So I like to have what we call money dates. Obviously I have a money date with my husband and I have a money date with myself because I have my own goals with my money and things like that. So I like to reflect and also be very careful and not being too judgmental towards yourself. So I obviously like to review my statements and highlight the things that I purchased and think about, okay, why did I purchase this? Did that bring me joy? Was that something that really made me happy? Or is that something that I just bought out of impulse or because I was feeling a certain way, right? So just taking a look, acknowledging and moving on, right? Like that's a reset that helps you understand, okay, now I actually have post-it notes all over 
my sitting area of like, okay, too much money on Amazon in the, in the month of April. So you know what I do? I delete the Amazon app of my phone for the next month. Oh, good for you. You're better than me. <laughs> <laughs> that, you know, like you have that impulsivity of just going in there. It's like, it's so easy. It's a click of a button. And so I purposefully just delete it so that I don't have the impulse of going and checking it out or spending money on it. That's what helps me all the time. I know that other people have, you know, buddies that helps them keep accountable. Like, hey, are you sure you want to buy that? Like, you know, remember yesterday you were talking about how you spend too much money? Like just having that little bit of an in-caring almost, like just kind of calling you out on those things can really help you. But really just giving yourself grace. I think that we all go through that. And I love the brand that you have on stock and going through the motions of life because we all see social media and everybody has their ish together, right? Or so it looks like everybody does. And so it is very important to cut yourself some slack because we are all going through stuff. All of us. No exception. If you are telling me that you know somebody who's not going through something, they're lying. Because that could be an external situation, an internal situation. We all have internal battles that we have to deal with. And so just cutting yourself some slack can really help you kind of get out of that funk sometimes. Well, I think that's a fabulous place to stop. This was such an informative episode. I have a notepad full of notes from you. Ediana, thank you so much for coming on. If you want to connect with Ediana, definitely make sure you go to takingcareoffinance.com and you can find her on all socials at takingcareoffinance.com. Thank you so much, Ediana. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Unstucked Podcast. Visit us at unstucked.com and follow us on TikTok. Unstuck.